So the first reading is taken from 2 Chronicles, chapter 7, verses 1 to 16. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground, and they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good, and his love endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord, and King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 head of cattle, and 120,000 sheep and goats. So the king and all the people dedicated the temple of God. The priests took their positions, as did the Levites with the Lord's musical instruments, which King David had made for praising the Lord, and which were used when he gave thanks, saying, His love endures forever. Opposite, the Levites, the priests, blew their trumpets, and all the Israelites were standing. Solomon consecrated the middle part of the courtyard in front of the temple of the Lord, and there he offered burnt offerings and the fat of the fellowship offerings, because the bronze altar he had made could not hold the burnt offerings, the grain offerings, and the fat portions. So Solomon observed the festival at that time for seven days, and all Israel with him, a vast assembly, people from Lebo, Hamath, to the Wadi of Egypt. On the eighth day they held an assembly, for they had celebrated the dedication of the altar for seven days, and the festival for seven days more. On the 23rd day of the seventh month, he sent the people to their homes, joyful and glad in heart for the good things the Lord had done for David and Solomon and for his people Israel. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all in mind he had to do in the temple of the Lord, And in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple 
so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. Amen. And the second reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 22. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by faith you have been saved. Sorry, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, remember that formerly, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the prophet's and apostles, 
with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by God, oh sorry, in which God lives by his spirit. Amen. Thanks be to God. We'll read in his word. Lovely. Thank you, Jen. It's always lovely when you read the Bible. It comes out so plainly and so clearly understood. So thank you. And we just want to pray. Say, God, just speak to us now. As we turn to your word, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit Lord Jesus, you say that the Spirit, when he comes, he will teach us all things. And so this morning we pray that, Lord, we'll be taught by you. And that, Father, Lord Almighty, you will steer us in the path of righteousness for your name's sake. Thank you for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, a few years ago we lived in Birmingham. Uh, you know, one of the highlights of Birmingham as a city is, um, I'm just waiting to hear anyone who will tell me what is the biggest highlight of Birmingham as a city. Cadbury, yes, that's one. Yeah. The Bullring Shopping Center, yeah. I think those two are well known. Uh, for all those who know Birmingham, and maybe you talk about the airport, but I think the Bullring. I went to the Bullring once to shop, and as I was going, you know, to find a particular shop, I saw a shop named Church. That's just, just the name. I don't know if you've seen it anywhere else, but that was the only place I have seen a shop called Church. Boldly at the top there. And I began to wonder. You see, when we say church these days, we know we are talking about the body of Christ, isn't it? Or we are just talking about the building. Yes, this is church. This is a building. We're talking about a local congregation. Or we're talking about a whole denomination. That's church as we know it. But you know, the word church, which was derived from the Greek word ecclesia, was not primarily referring to the body of Christ. It was literally that it became really identifiable with the church. So, ch church was, you know, with ecclesia means people, like if, you know, in the olden days, democracy came up by towns and cities having to make decisions by all the people gathering together in the town square, and then decisions are made. That's democracy. People vote for something, like we do when we have church meetings. And so if they say they want to build a new road that's going through the city, the whole town will come and debate it. And those who want will do what? Will vote for it. And those who don't want will vote against it. So... When we said church in the olden days, it could even refer to a band of vagabonds, 
you know, who have just gathered to go and cause trouble. So if you read Acts of the Apostles, some of the places where we were told that people gathered to attack Paul, some of those places the phrases used was ecclesia. So it was really it wasn't really church. So if you ordinarily equated it with the people of God, you'll be mistaken. But today, like we sang, it says we are the people of God. I came here with um, David's unicycle. <laughs> okay, now I, I, I'm not going to ask him to ride on it now. <laughs> Because some of you will be like, he's going to fall on me. Oh, don't worry. He's very good at it. I can't. If I try, you know what is going to happen. So, here, David will sit on this and ride around. The other day, I think um, before he went back to school the other time, he went on the street just to practice his unicycle. And a little say, boy or girl, they came out from their home to to look at him, and they were admiring his riding up and down. But one thing about this cycle is it has what? A wheel. A tire with a tube. These days they have tubeless tires, isn't it? And then you have what? The spokes. All these spokes are coming from this center, the hub. That is holding everything together. So, for this cycle, this bike, unibike, <laughs> unicycle, to ride, you need this wheel. And with this type of tire, you need the spokes. And the spokes, even though they are individual and different, okay, but they are held together. All of these spokes go on to hold the rim. And the rim is where the tire and the tube are inserted. And so, for you not to really have a hard kind of thump on the ground, so you need the tire to help you bounce about. So, that is about this tire, this um, cycle. Well, for those who have cycles at home, how many of you, my little friends, have a bicycle or some kind of cycle. You do? Fantastic. Well done. So, you will recognize what I'm talking about here, about your tires. But I want to use it to illustrate to us how as a church, the body of Christ, we are each individuals, but we are held together by one God. You know, we read the scripture the other time that talked about one God, one Father, one Holy Spirit, one Lord, one baptism. All of these make us who we are in Christ. So today, it's not just because of the confusion of what church is. I felt the Lord say to me, talk about you being the people of God. The people of God. Because the other day we were reading uh, about, we were actually discussing in the family the other day, a Satanist group that says it wants to have their own fellowship in schools as well. Because if Christians 
can have devotions and fellowships in school than they want to have what? Satanist groups for students in school. So that tells you how far the devil is pushing all his agenda in the world. So when we say church, we need to now understand we're talking about the people of God. Now, church also didn't just start when Jesus came into the world. Because if you read the Old Testament, in fact, even Acts of the Apostles 7 verse 38, it talks about the gathered people of God, the church. Now we read Second Chronicles chapter 7. And quite often when we read Second Chronicles chapter 7, you know where our attention goes to? Verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will easily do what? Recite it. Because we know it. But the whole chapter was talking about the dedication of the magnificent temple that Solomon had built for God. Up to that time, there was never a temple. They had this tabernacle that was quite mobile. Whenever the children of Israel moved, they dismantled it and moved with it. And then wherever they settled, they set up the tabernacle again. So David, when he became king, he felt, God, you have been good to me. Now let me build you a temple. Let me make a place that is going to be for you. And David raised so much money. He put together gold, silver, everything. He wanted to, to be a temple that people from across the world will see and say, wow. Well, you know what? God said, David, sorry, thank you very much, but no thanks. You're not going to build it. But don't worry, your son who will take over from you will build it. Because David had done some things God was not happy with. And so God decided that David was not going to do what? Build that temple. A lot of times when we struggle, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Listen, the church belongs to God. And sometimes we do things and we think we are actually doing it for people. No. Whatever you do for God in the church, in fact, you should be thankful that God has given you the opportunity to do what? To do it. Because when we feel that we are doing something and it comes up in our head and we become proud about it, actually you're not doing it for God anymore. And so David wanted to do this, but God said, no, Solomon will do. And so Solomon comes and builds this magnificent temple. And on the day of the dedication, you can think of how much was spent. Solomon did what? Sacrificed 100,000 of animals. Because in those days, you had to do what sacrifice, you know, to God. But now Jesus has become our one and only sacrifice. So it's been made easy to worship God. So you don't come to church on Sunday morning and thinking, oh, what sacrifice am I going to bring to God? No, coming to God by yourself is enough sacrifice. Amen. And when you come, you give your heart to God. Don't hold it back. You give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, Jesus, here I am. I give you everything. And so you are surrendering everything to God. So when we give our time to God, it is how you are sacrificing. 
When you give your money to God, that's how you're sacrificing. And God has a way of saying thank you. Amen. God has a way of saying thank you. God has, the Bible says God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So don't ever think that when you give to God, that God doesn't appreciate it. Even if people don't appreciate it. You know, um, Steve was sharing his testimony and talking about giving uh, someone, oh no, I think it was Robert, who, who, who said someone didn't, wasn't happy that you gave money to someone who was needy. But it won't stop you from giving tomorrow if the Lord leads you to give again. Because why? You're not doing it because you want people's praise. If you do anything for God because you want people to clap for you, you're wasting time. We do for God knowing that it's all for him alone. Amen. And so it says, the people of God. Remember that song? We are the people of God, called by his name, called from the dark and delivered from shame. One holy race sends everyone because of the blood of Christ, Jesus the Son. So because of Christ, we are the people of God called by his name. So God is telling us then, there's something special about you. For you to be called God's people... Because we read in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, before now, he says, you were part of the darkness of this world. But right now you have come into God's light. He says, you were controlled by this spirit that works in the children of disobedience. But now God has brought you out and you are God's child. Amen. So we are the people of God. He's saying we are special. Now that shouldn't make us proud because it is by grace that we are saved. And if God has saved us, it's not because we were, you know, intelligent, more intelligent than anyone else. In fact, God told um, the people of Israel, I didn't save you or make you my people because you were the greatest of people in the world. No. God said, I chose you for my own sake. So even as Christians, now that we belong to a new covenant, you see, when we read Ephesians chapter 2, it tells us that before now, we were no people. We were hopeless. We had no God. But right now, in Christ, we have become members of a new covenant. Amen. And it says now, our names have been written in the book of life. That's why we are the people of God. Because we know, Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is what? Gain. Paul is not bothered. If he drops dead today, he's saying, I know where I'm headed, so I'm not worried. I'm only worried for those who don't know where they are going. Because why? They don't know what is waiting for them. A funny story was told. I know that's not true, but, you know, <laughs> you know just, just to make a point. This person died, and he found himself at the gate. And then the angel said to him, well, today you will choose 
where you want to go, heaven or hell. And I'm going to show you, you know, both sides, okay? Today is a special day. We are doing, what, you know, when schools have open days. <laughs> so today is open day. You go to hell first. Go and see how hell is. And when you finish, you come back and see how heaven is. I said, yes, I'd like to do that. And then he went down to hell, and, you know, there was really party going on. I said, oh, this is not like what I heard hell is. <laughs> you know, and um, he said, this is strange. What, what's going on here? <laughs> and so he said, okay, well, let me go and see heaven. And then they took him to the other side. And he saw heaven. Well, everything said in the scripture was the way it was. Well, everything was nice and right. But he said, but, well, if the devil, and the devil was looking when he saw him in hell, was looking so <laughs> nicely put together. <laughs> and so the angel said, okay, now your symbol size, where do you want to go? He said, well, I think there was so much party going down there in hell. I think I want to go down there. <laughs> and he went down to hell. But by the time he got there, they flew. Whoo! He couldn't, he said, what's going on here? And then the devil just came out, come on here. He said, but wait, 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 wait. Yesterday when I came, it was party all over the place. So what I'm seeing here is really how it's described in the Bible. The devil said to him, well, yesterday was a recruitment day. So welcome to hell. And so he had no way to go out again. You know, so when people sometimes... In fact, someone said to Jesus, a story that Jesus was telling actually, you know, someone who went down to hell, he said, can you send someone, if I can't be taken out from here, can you send someone to my family to tell them, please don't come down here? Well, the answer was, there are preachers out there. If they won't listen to them, even if someone comes from the dead, they will still not do what? Listen. How many times have we heard People tell stories of coming back to life. How many persons have listened? You know, the point is, you make up your mind what you want. He says, we are the people of God, called by his name. And if the Lord has called us, it's important for us to know then, there's something different that God wants you to do. He says, he has called us, in fact, in First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He said, we are a chosen generation. A royal what? Priesthood. A holy nation. God has called us that we will show forth the praises of him who called us out from the dark into his marvelous light. Jesus said, let the whole world see your light shine that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. So when we say we are the people of God, it tells us that there are three important things. One, there is conviction. You must know it. You know, salvation is not something that happens somehow and you don't know. No, salvation is you making a decision. You feel in your heart, I want to turn to the Lord. Like Janet was sharing her testimony, she's been a Christian, as it were. She's been in church so many years until about 10 years ago, she had a personal encounter with the Lord. And the Lord began now to talk to her. And she now began to have this personal relationship. So if you're here this morning and you've been part of church ever since you were a little kid and now maybe you're old, listen. 
if you have never made a decision to give your life to Christ so you can declare that I am a child of God, we are the people of God, then today might be the day for you to say, God, come into my heart. On that day of dedication, there was sacrifice. But as I said previously, we don't sacrifice anything physical anymore because Jesus has already done what? Sacrificed his life for us. And there's nothing more that you can do that will please God. There's nothing more you can give God that God will be pleased with because why? He has already made a way. So why should we begin to think there's something we will do that God will take beyond what the Lord Jesus Christ has done? So conviction. Number two is confidence. He gives us confidence. So if God is with me, I will not be afraid of what happens along the way of my journey. Even if the journey, like the other day on Thursday, we were going into, you know, uh, around West Thames Mead area. And it was really windy. You know, on Thursday it was really very windy. Was it Friday? Okay, I thought it was Thursday. Okay, Friday. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> you see, I forget sometimes. <laughs> so Friday, we were driving down the road. And it was really blowing, blowing, blowing. And I was like, oh, my word. I had to really hold the steering very tight. Because if you drive like you drive at normal times, you might just see yourself losing it. And so when we face that kind of thing in life, God is saying to you, just look to me. I'll see you through it. It doesn't matter what the experience, God is able to see you through it. Final C is commitment. We've had conviction. We've had confidence in the Lord. Then God wants us to commit to something. Commit to serving him. Commit to being a voice for him. Commit to be an ambassador for him wherever you find yourself. You may not be able to go out there and give someone a Bible or to preach to someone, but your life could be what will be the testimony for someone to know that you are a child of God. And they will turn to know him. So this day, God is able to hold us from falling. I don't know how David does it, the balance, okay, when he goes on this. Because I know as soon as I sit on it, I'm already falling. So I won't try it. But he has a way of being able to, you know, balance himself on this. So if you are in Christ. He will be able to help you to balance things in life. Okay. Because he knows you will pass through challenges in this life. But he will help you get through it. He will help you get through it. We are the people of God. We have a new covenant. Our names are written in the book of life. Let us pray. Father, this morning we thank you because of your word that has come to us. We thank you, Father Lord, because you have transformed our lives by Jesus coming into our hearts. And we pray today, Lord, that we will not hold back. The Lord, when we are out there, the enemy comes to sow doubt. In fact, he went to Jesus and said, if you are the Son of God. He wanted to sow doubt in the life of Jesus. But the Lord Jesus knew who he was. 
He stood firm and he didn't change. And so, Lord, today we pray as we have received your word, we will identify with the Lord Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior. And, Lord, we'll allow him to transform our lives. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. May your name be exalted. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.